Hey, hockey moms, check out bluelinehockeyclub.com for all the past and future podcasts. Tonight's podcast is brought to you by... Tofi Hockey has designed, tested, and developed a new carbon composite hockey stick that will change the way you play the game of hockey forever. The Tofi Hockey Diamond Air Blade Hockey Stick is no ordinary stick or copycat repack technology. Hockey has never seen anything like this before. This patented, outside-the-box approach to blade design with its perforated cross-beam construction significantly increases swing speed. Built using 100% carbon fiber, we have eliminated the flimsy foam core for enhanced durability and a much larger sweet spot. This amazing hockey stick yields the most amazing feel and puck control ever seen in the game of hockey. Guaranteed. Feel the future. Check out their webpage at tobyhockey.com and use coupon code INTROTOBY20 for an immediate 20% discount. That's tobyhockey.com and coupon code INTROTOBY20 for an immediate 20% discount on this amazing new technology. Welcome back to the Blue Line Hockey Club. We have episode 57 tonight. We have the usual suspects in the house. We have everybody tonight, which is kind of nice. We have Robbie Pete Peters, our IT guy. What's up, Pete? Hey, how you mom and I'm? And our producer, Patrick Uncle Lardy Sullivan. What's up, Patrick? Aloha. And the all-around sports guru, Derek D-Train. He too. What's up, D-Train? What's up, Sweeno? And your host of the Blue Line Hockey Club, Mark the Dr. Morley. And we got a very special guest sitting in with us tonight, Coach Carvel from the UMass Minutemen. Making a lot of noise in college hockey this year. He had a tremendous season with the Minutemen and taking his team to the Frozen Four for the first time and eventually to the national championship game. Also Coach of the Year for Division One men's hockey. An amazing season. Welcome to the show, Coach. Thanks, guys. It's a pleasure to be with the North Country Bowl. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Greg. Really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so what a... Amazing season you had, uh, you know, UMass is my alma mater over there in the Pioneer Valley and uh, the Mullen Center must have been pretty electrifying. You only had, I think, what, one loss at home this year? Yeah, yeah. We, we were 17 and one, but before we get to any of that, I, Mark, you're, you're a former gorilla, right? That's right. Carver Field, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm, I'm a pretty I'm, good uh, Yeah, they're, they're good. I, I'm good friends with Coach Canella. He, uh, the, the lacrosse staff and the hockey staff uh, bonded quickly at our time at UMass. And, and uh, off the air, I'll tell you the message he sends uh, sends to me before every game. I can't share it uh, on the <laughs> podcast. But, yeah, I love uh, Coach Carroll. Yeah. He's a great guy. Yeah, he's awesome. Uh, yeah, we were 17-1 and at home this year. Um, the one game we lost was 2-1 to one in a game that we just we outshot and outchanced. Uh, it was Lowell, and uh, they, they, we just couldn't get it past their goalie. So, close to an undefeated season we play on a larger ice surface it's uh, it's in between the nhl and olympic size and we're we're very much a, a puck possession team and it's an adjustment for teams when they come into play so um it's a big rink too it holds 8500 people and uh we sold it out in december against quinnipiac the place was crazy and i think we sold it out three or four more times after that we averaged over 5,000 people a game. So um, we gave um, the fans at home happy most nights, and we were pretty dominant. Wow. Yeah, the student body seems to get behind the programs that are doing well there. Did you see a good uh, following from the students this year? Yeah, it's uh, – I was told all along that the, they just wanted a team that they could get behind and cheer for. And it's a big state school, and, and kids in Massachusetts know the sport of hockey, and – and uh, enjoy it and, and understand it. Uh, you know, we have big time basketball, football, and lacrosse. And uh, football and basketball, just, the students don't come out for it, they, but they did for hockey this year. We, we averaged, if the students were on campus, we'd have three, three or 4,000 students at each game. Wow. Greg, I saw uh, somewhere on social media, did you actually buy some pizza for the students waiting in line? Uh, well, I, you know, when, you, when you're at UMass, Everybody talks about Calipari and the, and the glory days, uh, which are now like 25 years ago. And uh, <laughs> I guess he did similar things. 
and uh, I'll I'll say I, I did hand out pizza, but I did not pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> the games that we sold out, we'd get the students. They'd be told that they they needed to come line up um, before the doors open. So uh, the, the game we sold out, the Quinnipiac, I drive right by the rink on my way to the parking lot, and you know I, I go in a couple hours early, and the line was already about a quarter mile long, and so. I went out just to shake some hands and say thank you for coming out and supporting the team. And, you know, I think people at the, at the front, it's funny, the people at the front of the line appreciated it. And I came out and they're like, oh, Coach Carvel, you know, good luck, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> By the time I got, you know, I got halfway through the line, I could hear I could hear kids saying, who's that guy? Why is he shaking hands? <laughs> you know, I, I realized that, uh, you know, we're, we're making a, an impression on the student body, but we're still, uh, it's still pretty new to everybody. Yeah, with that, uh, with your amazing season that you know Mark mentioned earlier, what does this season do for the hockey program, and not just the program, the whole school in general? I know Mark was pretty pumped uh, to see you guys in the championship game. I, I think he tweeted out a picture of himself in a UMass shirt. Um, UMass. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, the school's been dying for you know, a team that they could get behind. And there's such a, a massive amount of UMass alums out there. And I'm one myself. I, I went to grad school at UMass. They call it the sleeping giant. And, you know, we were able to wake up that sleeping giant this year. And it was really palpable. We went to, uh, when we went to play at Northeastern BC and BU, we had huge turnouts. It was, it's crazy to go to Boston College and it's the only game they sold out all year. And half of the crowd was from UMass at Boston College. We had a bunch of experiences like that. I think, uh, you know, tonight we had uh, the chancellor of the university hosted a dinner for the hockey program. And just to hear him get up and talk about how he was receiving calls from the governor and, you know, the mayor of Boston and and like everybody in in the state really got behind us. And it's, it's great to hear when you're on the inside of it all, you don't really feel those things. You're not aware of it until you hear a lot of stories after the fact. And, um, you know, the social media coverage and the amount of texts and emails that I received was, was daunting, but, uh, such a fun ride. We, we had a really good team. We had the Hobie Baker winner, which is always going to be a huge factor for you. And Kale McCarr was an unbelievable kid and he's gone on the NHL and he's already as, Looks like a star in the NHL, so he was. Stud, yeah. he, he's he's a phenomenal kid. We're we're fortunate to have him for two years, but, but we were a deep team as well. Um, you know, we we got Jacob Pritchard transferred over from St. Lawrence. I had recruited and coached Pritch his first year at St. Lawrence and had a good relationship with him. And um, you know, he wasn't having you know, a lot of fun after I left and decided he, uh, he needed to change the scenery and trusted me from our time together and he was a huge factor too he finished fourth in the country in scoring and um signed a contract with the carolina hurricanes and is now playing uh for their farm team in the playoffs yeah yeah Yeah. and uh we just we had a one of those years where uh, we, we brought in a goalie from finland we didn't really weren't sure what we were getting and he, he finished the year with a 930 save percentage and you know, four shutouts in his last six games down the stretch. So we had we had a lot of good pieces and a lot of support from from everybody in, in the university, and it's just a real feel good season. Well, I see your uh, your top seven or you know top seven points. You know, I take away Pritchard there. Your top six guys are freshmen and sophomores. So your returning core are going to be pretty good, right? Oh. We'll lose McCarr. Uh, he and key let us in scoring. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll be pretty deep. We feel like we've got a good group of uh, freshman forwards coming. We we had 19 freshmen and sophomores this year. We we really only had three uh, three seniors on the team, and wow. one being um, one being Jacob Pritchard. Um, so we didn't, you know, we, we lose McCarr. That's a big loss, but that was expected. So we're still we were a very young team. And we, we, we grew up a lot grew up a lot this year and it's a lot of it you know, losing in the, for the young kids. Yeah, we yeah, we gained a lot and losing in the uh, national championship game to the Minnesota Duluth to it was their third year in a row in the national championship game, which is 
crazy. Uh, but when you played them, you just felt like this is a real mature team that knows how to win. And uh, so we, you know, even losing that game, I feel like we, we took a lot out of it. Yeah, Greg. So a lot of, I mean, having young guys contribute like that and gel together and have a good chemistry. I mean, that has to speak to, you know, how you basically recruit guys. I mean, this goes back to, I know you had some scouting days um, in Anaheim and stuff like that. I mean, what's, what's kind of the secret to uh, the scouting process and the recruiting process? Well, I think our secret is, is we get a lot of kids, uh, you know, Jared, DeMichael was with me at St. Lawrence and, and then uh, Ben Barr came on with us. And those two guys are, are superb at, at what they do and they do basically all the recruiting. But what we do is is we find kids who we think have a good skill level but haven't always been uh, the golden child, as we like to say. And so they've got chip on their shoulder and, and no one on our team is you – we don't have any entitled kids on our team. And we have a tremendous culture. Our, our group of kids—they just—they love to come into the rink every day. They're all—they're all buddies. There's no clicks. It was really—you uh, know—we do a ton work of building culture, and that means getting the right people and having the right message, and then holding them to high standards. And it just all worked. And you throw a couple—you know—throw the Hobie Baker winner on top, and it—it just—it was—it uh, wasn't too surprising that we had a strong year you know I, I would never have guessed that we'd be in the frozen four after only winning five games my first year at UMass but we knew we knew we had a chance to be an NCAA team but we were able to elevate it more than more than uh, first imagined yeah coach just to speak on that a little bit the uh, Hobie Baker award winner um, with McCarr and I think he had uh, 49 points this season what is the difference now of the the defensemen that the, these teams are looking for um, that are you know, major point getters, you know, it's not, they, they line up on defense, but you know, they're not playing defense the whole game and they're, they're really contributing to the stat sheet. Is that something that college coaches are looking for and young defensemen now? Well, that's what I, that's what I've, I've looked for in my seven years as, as head coach, my last year in Ottawa, last two years in Ottawa at Eric Carlson. And to me, that's what the, that's what hockey is becoming is having guys who can skate and play and add to your offense. And, and so we we have a back end of those guys. That's how, that's, you know, like I said, you need to have a philosophy of how to play. And so that's what we have. We have we have guys like that who uh, are offensive minded. And Kale finished with 49 points, one point off of the the NCAA lead. The uh, six of the ten finalists for the Hobie Baker were defensemen, and all three of the Hobie Baker Hatchick finalists were defensemen. So it's uh, that's that's hockey now. You don't have a team that has defensemen that can make your offense go. You, you're not going to get very far. Yeah, and to follow up on that too, um, you guys outscored your opponents 151 to 80 in goals. Um, does that contribute to, you know, your offensive-minded players or just really good goaltending or a little bit of both? It was everything. We uh, we finished the year with the number one power play in the country and the number four penalty kill. I think we we're the third best offensive team and the seventh best defensive team. So uh, you have to be like that to get that kind of differential and, and goal differential. So we just felt like we were a really complete team. We had two really good goalies with, I think that maybe one of the best back ends in the country. And then we had uh, three lines that could score. So it was a really good combination. And, and uh, one of those teams where any night, you know, a number of guys were going to, we're going to, uh, you know, be the, be the star. Greg, talk about uh, we've met. You mentioned him a few times, but talk about the type of talent that Kale McCarr is. I mean, you coach at the pro level, you coach at the college level. Um, you had success at the college level playing and at the high school level playing. But what kind of kid is this? I mean, what? I mean, he's obviously almost like a once in a generational talent, I would say. But it, talk a little bit about his skill set and uh, just what what kind of makeup this kid has. Yeah, I agree. He. Uh... I think he's a generational player. Uh, you know, the last player that they're talking about that had that kind of impact is, uh, was Eichel. And uh, Mike Babcock, I worked with Mike for a couple of years, and his son played at Merrimack this uh, last four years. And, and so when Merrimack played at UMass, uh, Mike was there. And, and after the game, I asked him to come down and, and speak to my team. And he said to me, he said, he said, uh, McCarr is the best college prospect I've ever seen. And mm -hmm. that's really... 
and uh and when the day he was drafted uh i went to chicago to be there it was the year it was the summer before he came to campus and ray Sherrill, a st lawrence grad had uh, the gm at new jersey had the number one pick and i walked into the building and ray was the first guy i ran into and i said ray are you going to take my guy because I, in my mind he he was so good he should be the number one pick and that's you know quite a statement i i went out to watch kale two or three times the year before when he was out in alberta in the junior league and the first time i went i was watching warm-ups and i called my assistant i said oh my god we have, we have eric carlson coming to our team this kid's unbelievable <laughs> and and that, at the time he wasn't really he might have been a, like a c-level prospect for the draft and as the year went on, he went from a C to a B to an A to a first round to a top 10. And I, I, I thought he was, you know, I didn't know the competition, but I was like, he, he could be number one overall. And if I'm glad he didn't because he probably would have never made it to UMass. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I asked about him all year long, and, and I would say, I was like, this kid skates like McDavid. Like, this is elite, elite skating combined with unbelievable hands with the puck, quick hands, Good, great hockey hands, and then he has an edge to him, a physical edge that I don't know if there's any other. There's no defenseman that you can compare him to in the NHL. I mean, Eric Carlson skates well and has great hands, but Eric cheats the game and doesn't try to defend very hard. You know, Drew Doughty can't skate like this kid. I, I don't know what the comparable was, um, <laughs> and so I, I'm not shocked that in three games, you know, he's kind of the talk of the you know, the town in, in Colorado. Uh, and you don't do that unless you're a really emotionally stable kid. Like, to step into your first game, you know, he, and he's from Calgary, and he's playing his hometown team, you know, for Colorado, and he scores in his first shot on net. And it's, yeah. it's not like he it's not like he got a lucky wrister from the blue line. He, he jumped up in the rush and, you know, had to use his hands and his quick release. Um, but he's an unbelievable kid. And uh, just really happy that he won the the Hobie because you know that's that's more than just being a quality player; it's being a quality person. And this kid, he he would get upset if you ever singled him out, if you ever talked about the NHL. He was so locked into being the best he could be for UMass. And at the end of the year, when we lost that the championship game, I always give the the, the seniors a chance to say something to the team that they you know, share some thoughts. You know, there's a lot of tears always after that last game for the seniors. And we all knew Kale was leaving. So, so uh, you know, I asked Kale to, to speak to the team. And then we went to the press conference. And, you know, he, it was me and him always at the press conference, plus, you know, one or two other players. And he, he wore his jersey. And the, the media asked him, like, you know, why are you still wearing your jersey? And he said, I, I want to wear it for every last second that I can. And, you know, he was genuine about it. Um, but this kid's uh, extremely humble, uh, unbelievable understanding, self-awareness, and understanding the process and didn't rush to the NHL. He, he took his time and made sure he was overripe. And, uh, and that's such a – it's so refreshing because you just, you just don't see that anymore. Every, everybody's in a rush to get everywhere and, uh, you know, make money and get the, get the glory and the rest of it. But he, uh, he and his family – Took, it, took the slow route, and now he's Hobie Baker winner, and now he's a star already in the NHL. Awesome. Yeah, that is great. I mean, I, I think that's the uh, wild card that Colorado needed, and, you know, how b- unbelievable would it be if he actually won the Stanley Cup, Hobie Baker went to the national championship <laughs> this year. Um, yeah. <laughs> even the la- last two weeks have been crazy for him. But, Greg, going forward with your season this season, who are some of the top players and you got any uh, prospects that you're really um, excited about? Yeah, we have, uh, you know, our top returning forward is was a sophomore this year. He led he led the hockey East in scoring. He was a first team All American, and and he probably could have signed and gone to a number of NHL teams. But like uh, like McCarr, I think he's smart enough to to know he needs another year. Uh, John Leonard was a sophomore too. He had over 40 points. Uh, so those guys will be. Uh, our biggest name returners. Um, we have a we had a freshman defenseman named uh, Mark Delgado who became only the fifth defenseman in the history of hockey to score 
more than 10 goals in a season. And um, I think the only one is a freshman. So he's, he, he'll probably get drafted this summer. We, we've got a, a really good defenseman coming in named Zach Jones, who will probably get drafted in the second or third round. Um, a real offensive-minded um, defenseman who has a rookie in the USHL in a league that it's tough for forwards to, to score 20 points. He's got 50 points as a defenseman this year. Wow. So, um, really good players. Again, offensive-minded defenseman. Not a big guy, but unbelievable hockey sense and unbelievable ability. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it looks like you're going to have some superstars again next year. Um, you know, great season for the Minutemen. Love to see it. Being an alumni myself, um, you know, I haven't got back up to to Amherst in a while, but I do miss Antonio's Pizza and Bueno Lisano, Pasta <laughs> Bata. All, yeah. yeah. all the goods, man. Anybody that went yeah. to Amherst knows those places. So, um, I guess we'll have to come up and watch hockey and settle across next time. Yeah. Well, maybe. I don't know if you can hit both. I think we came close to hitting both there in, in the spring, but yeah, we, we uh, I, I support the lacrosse team with the, the assistant coaches there. Awesome. And like I said, coach Canella is awesome. Yeah. They just, it, it seems like the two sports have very similar athletes and similar mentalities. And so I think we get along well. Yeah. I had a lot of hockey players in the sport management program with me, hung out with a, a lot of cool Canadians and stuff like that in college. And we always yeah. got along well. Yeah. The, yeah. uh, the Carville family was representing the UMass stuff all over, uh, social media the last couple of weeks of the season so that was good to see some canton folks <laughs> in the umass gear too yeah 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 it caught my sister on uh, national tv crying after we won in, in overtime in the semi-final game so oh. i got a lot of i got a lot of photos of that sent to me <laughs> that's great I thought, it was pretty cool. I thought it was pretty funny that uh I, going back uh, you mentioned something about the media after when kale was going on there but after the game that you uh, won to go to the national championship game, I, I like the exchange where that uh, one member of the media asked you what you could do to improve in practice, and you were like, "We won the fucking game." He's <laughs> 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 like, "He's like, what did you, what did you take away from this game that you need to get better at?" I was like, "We yeah. won for nothing." <laughs> <laughs> Maybe more goals. Do some homework, buddy. Do some homework. Yeah, yeah. they're fired. <laughs> hey coach it's a uh, really pleasure to have you on i know we have a lot of local listeners that are waiting to hear this interview and get a little taste of what's going on up there in amherst and we really appreciate you taking time out of your night to speak to the blue line hockey club and uh, it's been fun yeah my pleasure i'm, I'm gonna be up in canton a couple times this spring i've been back since august so i'm looking forward to getting back and getting the josies and sergies and <laughs> um, I haven't tried. I haven't tried that new pizza place yet, but I hear I hear that's pretty good as well. Nice. A lot of pizza. A lot of pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for having. All right. Me. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks, Thanks for coming on. Thanks, guys. Take care. Coach Greg Carble from the UMass Minutemen. What a season he's had. I mean, just uh, first time having a Hobie Baker winner uh, on that team. You know, only losing one game at home, having all those young guys still coming back next year. Very exciting uh, for that program. It uh, looks like they're going to be a powerhouse in the Hockey East uh, for the next couple of years. Um, that's really been something that hasn't happened in a long time. You know, everybody talks about BU, BC, um, you know, some of the powerhouses of, of the past. So it's good to see a local guy out there making it happen and uh, look forward to checking out a season next year. Yeah, I mean, just what this season has done for UMass hockey, I mean, to have, you know, as a young player looking to go to college to play hockey and have a UMass recruiter come up and talk to you, um, knowing that they were in the national championship game is a, is a big deal. So, uh, you know, that one player who was thinking about going to BC or BU or maybe North Dakota, UMass now is able to pull those guys their way or at least you know you know get a second you know or a good look at them and a, a good talk with the whole family so it's big for you mass and yeah and just to, yeah, just to touch on their uh your recruiting and stuff like that umass like he said has a really nice facility for hockey it's the same barn they play uh their hoops in so they put the floor over the ice so a nice big place um when you bring a recruit in it's impressive right next to the arena they have a really nice practice rink that's almost connected 
Um, you know, so the facilities bringing the recruits in are really good at UMass for the hockey program. And, um, you know, that gives you a little bit of an edge on a place. I know St. Lawrence is doing the renovations now, but, um, you know, big time barn, it makes it seem like a, a big time program, you know, that helps recruit. Yeah. Listen, I mean, Greg comes from a, he comes from a great, you know, local family here in Canton. Um, it's, he's had success at, you know, every level he's been at, you know what I mean? So it's, it's, this is, this, this is no fluke. You know what I mean? Everywhere he's been, he's been on the pro level. He's uh, working the scouting department. Uh, he's had, he, he helped St. Lawrence, you know, uh, gain relevance again before leaving there to, uh, to make a good decision for his family and obviously a good uh, decision for his career. So, uh, God bless him, and he's uh, he's done great things, and it's, it's really really impressive to see, and uh, I'm happy to see it. It's awesome. Yeah, for for all the listeners that don't know, um, Greg Carville actually played at St. Lawrence uh, from 1999 to 2003. He worked for the Anaheim Ducks scouting. He um, was a coordinator of the scouting from 2003 to five. Went to uh, the assistant coach for the Ducks, then went from 2005 to 2011 as a Senator's assistant coach, Ottawa Senators, and then went from Ottawa to St. Lawrence University head coach from 2012 to 2016. And uh, like Derek just said, did pretty well there. And now he's been uh, from 16 to 2019 at UMass. So, um, and he's actually reached the Stanley Cup in 2003 with the Anaheim Ducks and 2007 with the Ottawa Senators. So. Like Derek was just saying, he he's had success wherever he goes, and this year speaks for itself. Absolutely. Yeah, and also speaks. I think he said he had five wins his first season. You know how he's changed it around <clears throat> in three years, and has guys leaving early to go to the NHL. I mean, that's got to be frustrating for a college coach when your players leave early. Uh, you don't really have that kind of thing happen at St. Lawrence University. Most of the guys are staying four years. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, big school is all that happens, right? Yeah, so it's got to be frustrating, lose your best player, you know, after two years. And, you know, to look at his roster, look at all those young guys that he mentioned, I don't know, 20, 20 young guys on the team this year. I mean, that goes to show how well they recruit, you know. So they're they're doing some good things in the recruiting program there, and they're pulling in some talent, and that goes to show, I mean, when you're a college coach, that's what it's all about. If you can't recruit, you're not going to be successful, no matter how your facilities are. You got to be a likable guy. You're talking to young kids, you know, 10th graders, 11th graders. You know, you got to make them feel comfortable. And, uh, you know, that's half the battle trying to get some of these college players. Absolutely. And the second part of that, though, as as a coach or any kind of leader in business or whatever, it's who you surround yourself with. And he's done a good job of surrounding himself with good assistants. And, uh, you know, he gave he gave um, props to those assistants that he has now for the recruiting that they do. So, um it takes a lot to, to run a successful organization, no matter what level. And he's obviously got a knack for it. So we're humble guys in the hockey community. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, very big game here. Uh, game seven. They're just showing TJ Oshie um, three, three with uh, three minutes left. Uh, um, Carolina and Washington in Washington. So big game. Carolina's going to win that game. Carolina's going to win that game in overtime. Well, I'll tell you what, boys. If Carolina wins tonight, all four wild cards moved on to the second round. So, um, Justin Williams is the big guy. Let's uh, go most Carolina career, then. Most career goals when uh, facing elimination, 15 goals, 27 point. Um, so, this is a big game tonight, and uh, I'm hoping Carolina wins too. All right, boys. Let's just go into a little bit of – Sponsorship with Tovi Hockey. Tovi Hockey, a big sponsor of the Blue Line Hockey Club. If you haven't checked them out at tovihockey.com, get online, check them out. The new evolution of hockey sticks, uh, something like you've never seen before. Uh, we say it every episode, and if you haven't checked it out, it's uh, something really cool, something that nobody's come up with in the past. So they're going to they're gonna be changing the way hockey sticks are made. So if you haven't seen it, if you haven't checked it out yet, tovihockey.com. Get on their intro, Tovi20, for 20% off your next purchase. It'll get you 20% off immediately on a Tovi hockey stick. Intro Tovi 20 for promotion code at tovihockey.com. Check them out. Great company. Yeah, get online and check them out and buy a stick. Pretty cool. Well, boys, we do have a lot of stuff going on in the NHL. I mean, they just talked about the Carolina 
hurricanes in the Washington Capitals. But uh, just last night, um, huge game. I mean, if, if anybody caught the game, it was late on the East Coast. But, you know, the Sharks and the Vegas Golden Knights, um, you know, I kind of feel bad for the, the Vegas Golden Knights, the way that they lost that game. Very controversial call um, in the third period with a five-minute major. And, up uh, three nothing. Up three nothing, costing the game, in my opinion. Um, Marcisol came out and, you know, pretty much blamed it on that ref, saying, you know, it's bullshit. You know, you don't call that at, you know, the end of a, you know, in the third period, a five-minute penalty um, in a game seven. You know, two-minute penalty, okay, fine. But for a five-minute, that, you know, that late in the game, uh, tough, for, tough for the Golden, uh, the Golden Knights. Um, so that was kind of sad to see it happen like that. But, you know, the Sharks did come out and score three goals on that power play, which isn't easy to do. You know, that's not something that – teams are doing very often. So they came out and they, and they went after it and they got the, they got the game uh, tied up and, you know, that's the way the punches rolled. Yeah. That was a big game. Come back four goals and overtime to win. It's huge. And, you know, these wild, this uh, playoffs this year is, you know, 2019 wildcard playoffs. I mean, if, uh, like I said, Carolina wins, all the wildcard teams have uh, made it, to the second round, you know, Toronto's out, Calgary's out, who else is out? Tampa Vegas Bay's is, out, Penguins Tampa's are out. out, Vegas is out, Pittsburgh's out. So, just what a bracket buster this year's been, right? I don't think if let unless you went totally against all <laughs> all <laughs> rankings and everything on your bracket. You're pretty much out. Oh. Yeah, and to talk, touch on that uh, that Boston Toronto series. I mean, that was just a battle. You know, going to Game Seven, uh, three years in a row, uh, Toronto's lost to the Bruins. I think it was uh, Game Seven again last year that they lost. Uh, you know, so that's what we talked about when we had Bob McKenzie on. You know, should Toronto and the Bruins really be playing each other? Uh, two of the best teams in the NHL battling every year, trying to get to the next round. Uh, maybe they should have been playing a, a lower seed in a different division or, you know, it's, it's tough to say, but you know, that's, that's the, the, the curse of the Toronto Maple Leafs is the Bruins right now, for sure. Oh, I know it's the same story, different year, right. For the Boston Bruins in Toronto. I actually, uh, Boston, this is their sixth playoff win or series ending since 2013, Boston beating Toronto. So, Toronto's got to go back to the uh, the board and figure out what to do to beat Boston. But I think I think Bot, go ahead. No, I just I, you know I thought it came down to goaltending. Anderson did not have a good night. I uh, let in a couple weak goals. Uh, Tuka Rask was was on point. Um, you know, and he just, if you got a hot goalie and the team you're playing's goalie lets in a couple weak ones, I mean that's game over. You know, so I I, I saw that last night too in the Sharks game. Um, you know, it was, it was just in the first two periods before the, the fiasco in the third. I mean, it was all goaltending there, too, because the Sharks were all over them. And they, they were actually playing better hockey, but they couldn't score. You know, mm. the flower was standing on his head, and, and he was stopping everything that came at him. And um, Murphy, Murray or Murphy, I'm sorry, I don't know. But he, he was that? having a – for the Sharks, what's his last name? Is it Murray or Mur uh, Murphy? Murphy. Mur uh, yeah, so I mean that that was a the game changer in the first two and a half periods was goaltending, and then you know obviously they went on that power play and things changed. But the Flower had a good game until the third period, you know. But it's tough when you're when you're a man down. And uh, hey, for the record, I have uh, St. Louis and the Boston Bruins in the Stanley Cup final in my bracket. Oh, you're still it's a possibility. I just yeah. wanted to say that uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs have the longest streak without winning the cup. 50, When's the last time they won a series? 52 years. 19, the 1966-67 year is when they won the Stanley Cup. And actually, Mike Babcock turned uh, four uh, that week <laughs> that they won the Stanley Cup. The second is the St. Louis Blues. 51 years. They won in 1967 and 68. And then Robbie's team. Um, comes in third to the Buffalo Sabres. They're going up 48 years. They made it to the final twice, the Sabres, which 
a lot of us would know about the second time was in 1999 when Brett Hall's uh, skate was in the crease for the Dallas Stars. You guys remember that controversy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so Toronto, it's same old story, different year, but a lot a lot of things on social media are saying that, you know, this that was Mike Babcock's last time on the bench for Toronto. You're an, they're idiots if they fire Babcock. I mean, any fan from Toronto saying fire Babcock's an idiot. I mean, that team yeah. was a dumpster fire before he took that place over. You know what I mean? And they're at least back in relevance. I mean, I started reading some of that stuff, too, and I'm like, you got. I mean, it's just like idiotic to talk like that. Yeah, one of the best coaches. Not in the, the problem in Toronto. No, he's not the problem. It's like give him some time. He's got a bunch of guys that they just they just put together like a friggin' superstar team. You know what I mean? So they got to have some time to gel. And your team's in the playoffs. I mean, relax. Yeah. Holy cow, playoffs. Yeah, but relax. Playoffs. I mean, a bit. I mean, we'll talk about firing Babcock would, would be a big mistake, I, in my opinion. But there's probably a lot of Toronto fans here out there. With you. Calling, oh, calling the radio shows out there and complaining about them, but I think it's just stupid to talk about. They lost in the first round of playoffs. I mean, it's small tinkering that needs to be done, not you know wholesale get rid of fucking GMs, coaches, players. Well, they were saying something on the social media that uh, you know, game seven, it was down by a goal. They took off uh, Mitch Marner and um, Austin Matthews, all the big guns on a power play, and put out Marlowe's line. Well, you know, Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews weren't doing anything the first 42 seconds of the power play. They actually looked awful. So what do you do as a coach? You try to change things up, right? Throw another line at them. And uh, now everyone on social media is saying they should have left that line out and he needs to get fired. You know, these guys probably haven't – they've never even laced up a pair of skates. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have heard um, – from somebody that was on our show uh, that he heard from Chris Chelios. So when he played for him, that he couldn't stand him, And uh, that a lot of the players that play for him don't like him. So I don't know if there's some behind the scenes stuff there that, you know, the players are, you know how it is in pro hockey, Pat, we've talked about it before with the Minnesota wild. Now the players don't really care for the coach. And, you know, I don't know if any of that's going on. I had heard that about him as far as players not liking him that much, but who knows? Yeah, I mean, he's probably strict and, you know, doesn't let the guys get on their cell phone or something stupid or play Fortnite in the locker room. But, I mean, um, <laughs> I mean, if you look at it, put, I always, you know, anything in life or work or whatever, someone comes to me and complains about someone or something, I always say put yourself in their shoes and what they're trying to accomplish and then, you know, you can take it from there. I mean, what are they trying to cop? What's his Mike Babcock? You know what? He doesn't want to get fired. He's got a job to do. So, you know, it's not just all about you, Austin Matthews. It's not all about you, Mitch Marner. Um, yeah. He's also trying to put money in his bank account. So, yeah, I see a lot of that. Once these guys get making that kind of money and they feel like they're entitled to stuff and, you know, it's like the you know people not liking their boss because he makes them do stuff. You know, the same kind of yeah. mentality. You know, so when you're right a boss, boss, you got to do something, right? I mean, you got to even if you're like you have to kind of get better at sweeping the floor. <laughs> what the fuck? You know? yeah, right, I'm your boss. Yeah. That's cool. you overlook the fact too. You can't overlook the fact too that the Boston Bruins were one of the hot, if not the hottest team in the NHL coming into that series. You know what I mean? So best line it's not like in they the got, NHL. There you go. So, I mean, it's not like they got blown over by, like, some team that just kind of, like, squeaked into the playoffs. You know what I mean? It's, I'm talking about a team that was probably the, the best at the end of the line there. So four, four lines deep. I mean, their goal scorers were the third and fourth line. So, yeah, it's we're not talking to Pasternak, Mashak. shot. And, um, you know, it wasn't their Bergeron. line. It was Bergeron. It was the third and fourth line. So. Um, Toronto's a young team too. I mean, you can't. This is a stepping stone for them. You know, I mean, you fire. If you make the mistake and fire Babcock, you set that team back another five years. You know, what I mean, so you just take this and you and you learn from it. You played a good team. You played a team that was hot going to the playoffs. You learn from it. You move on to the next season, and hopefully, next season you take the next step. So that's my opinion. Yeah, Did just guys, to touch. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say we didn't really touch on the Colorado win. Um, I yeah. don't think. That happened this week as well, um, taking Calgary out four to one in that oh, series. 
that was it, it was oh, huge. Wow. Um, you know, those the big guns from Colorado looked really good. Their goaltender, who wasn't supposed to be, you know, one of the elites in the league, really, um, has been on fire. So, I mean, we're coming down to the, the goaltender Ooh, yeah. again. Abs goalie. Yeah. Drew Bauer. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. really good. Yeah, he's been playing really well, but I mean, he's not one of those guys that have been talked about as being one of the best in the league, but he's been playing like one of the best. Yeah, I mean, he's not even in the top 10 of a Vesna, but. He's on fire, but what they did is they put Ratten in on, moved him to the second line, and um, you know he was he was up there with McKinnon and Landerskog, but they moved him, you know, because Colorado's been a one-line team all year. Um, yeah. You know, the only line that's been producing. I mean, I think we had it on here one podcast, or was that? No, that was a different. I think that was uh, McDavid had like six points, but anyways. Colorado had uh, only one line all year, so they kind of switched it up with playoffs, and they put Ratten in on second line, and that second line's actually been producing a little bit. And then they add Makar from UMass here. We just had Greg Carvel, which I think is the wild card. I think I think Colorado is going to go far now. Um, we'll see what happens, but uh, yeah, to touch on that too with uh, Colorado or Calgary. Their big guns didn't show up in it, it. Johnny Not Rideau true. in the in game five. Awful, awful. It, if you guys didn't see his penalty shot, it penalty was penalty shot. He had a breakaway, another yeah. breakaway. Yeah. He had a wide open net. So he he had a uh, penalty shot. He came down. It was it was just brutal, um, terrible move. And like I don't know, maybe two minutes later in the game, he had a breakaway. You know, didn't score. Um, didn't even get a shot off. And then. About I don't know later on in that same period he had a goal and they called it back, you know. So he was having a really rough night. Um, you know he had two breakaways and a goal called back in the same period. Uh, you know mentally he was fucked. He had his head in his hands on the bench and yeah, uh, he, he was he was struggling. You know so we didn't see Kachuk and you know the big guns for Calgary coming to play in Game Five. Um, they had the chances they didn't put the puck away. Um, you know so good for the Avs. They deserved it. And that's the one thing I mentioned on the last podcast was that you you cannot afford to have your top players, you know, with their head in their hands on the bench because it just fucks them for the whole series. You know, you need you need them to be scoring, you need them to be happy, you need them to be, you know, optimistic and getting things going. And they just couldn't do anything. Kachuk couldn't do anything. Um, Gaudreau couldn't score. Even the uh, defenseman Giordano. there, Giordano. Giordano, couldn't do anything. Their goalie actually played pretty well, but uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going on out there in Western Canada. Like, yeah, and, and like you said, you need your fourth liners too. Like the Bruins, Charlie Coyle had the open netter to seal the deal. Um, they had a fourth liner, and I think a third liner score. Um, to pretty much put the Maple Leafs out of their misery. So that, and when you get those guys to contribute from the third and fourth lines, I mean, that's huge in the playoffs, you know. Gangsta. So, guys, I don't know what's going on in that Colorado game. Is that over? Tied 3-3? Three, three? Going into overtime, think, yeah. And we haven't talked about the Islanders in about a week and a half. They've just been hanging out, waiting for oh, the yeah. winner of that, winner of that game. They're going to be well-rested. Cocoon somewhere. I told you, That's, man. You don't want to. I said for a while you didn't want to face that team if you're going to the playoffs. No, nobody wanted to face that team, and they they showed up to sweep the uh, the Pens, man. That's a pretty big deal. So, what are we looking at facing here? What are we coming up? We know there's one more game, right? That uh, yep, that's it. Washington. Yeah, they play the Islanders, the winner of tonight's this, game, and then that's it man, for that round. Bracket. Yeah, so just to touch on those brackets right now that are set, he's got Dallas that ended up beating the Preds the other night, and uh, they're going to be facing the Blues. And the Boston Bruins play uh, Columbus, and then the Sharks squeaked out their game last night, and they're going to be taking on the Avs. So it's a pretty good series coming up. You know, we'll see what happens with the Caps. I, I've got a feeling the Capitals are going to win. I don't know why. I just feel no, like they're, they're going to win that series. No, they're not. Carolina. Don't say that. Did you see the last game they played where, uh, you know, basically a lot of the Capitals fans are crying because Ovi had a goal um, that got called back and they would have been up in the game. And then the game changer. Yeah. And Carolina came back and scored. 
um, to, to go up in the game. So basically there was a shot. It went under the pad of the goalie. Ovi hit it, hit his pad and the puck went in. I thought it was a good goal. I don't, they said it was, you know, he pushed his pad in, but I, it looked like one of those things where you crash the net and you, and you hit the puck and it goes in, you know, so my personal opinion, I thought it was, you know, should have been a good goal. I don't know if you guys saw it, but there's a lot of controversy in these, these uh, overturning these goals this postseason. I, I didn't think it was a goal. I thought he, uh, the whistle was – it was almost like at the exact same time as when the puck was just crossing over the line and when I heard the whistle. And then he definitely, like, harpooned <laughs> the goalie, which when we were growing up was fine. I mean, in back yeah. in the day, that was fine. But in today's rule, you cannot do that inside the crease. And um, he definitely did. He harpooned the goalie, pushed him right back. He, he – he, you could not see the puck. You know, if I was Ovechkin, he could not see the puck because it was under the pad, and he just went in there and harpooned the goalie. So that's goalie interference. It did cross the line, yes, but at the same time that the whistle was blown. So I don't think they, it was showed, a goal. they showed him on the bench after the uh, the ref called it no goal, and you'd see him say, "That's fucking bullshit." Oh yeah, he got <laughs> kicked out, right? He, I didn't get kicked out. He was on the bench, but uh, he got kicked out eventually. Uh, Rudy, yeah. There, yeah, the ref kicked him out. He uh, he got a penalty and it was started clapping his hands like uh, game seven. Ovechkin toe drags around defenseman and dishes it over to Tom Wilson, who blasts home a one timer. Capitals are moving on. Capitals, oh shit! Capitals are facing the old head coach of the oh, uh, Islanders. Uh, Wilson's the one there. who gets the goal. Wilson got the goal. Oh, I almost oh, yeah, uh, hate that. Little toe drag for Ovechkin. Slides it over, and uh, Wilson does a one-timer in. Peters so is uh, redemption. Peters is moving to Raleigh here in a couple days. I, are you on mute, Rob? Or are you still there? I'm here. Oh, there. You when you uh, you got to move the family to Raleigh, right? You're going to be a Hurricanes fan. Yep, Sunday will be in <clears throat> late Sunday night. We'll be in Raleigh. Well, that sucks. They lost tonight. Maybe I'll catch a playoff game down there. Well, hopefully it drives the tickets a little cheaper. Yeah, <laughs> your season tickets just went down by a hundred bucks. Good for us. And the Blue Line Hockey Club will have season tickets to the Carolina Hurricanes next year. So. Might be a little biased on the podcast, but we'll try to keep it to a minimal. We'll definitely well, be talking about Carolina more. Yeah. We're into round two next week, boys, so we'll be talking about that. Pat, just uh, give us a little rundown of what's going on over in uh, Iowa with the AHL. Uh, they're playing the Milwaukee Admirals right now. Jordan, uh, my nephew, Greenway, him and Donato and uh, Cunning got sent down to the AHL. Um, Iowa obviously made the playoffs. They actually have a pretty good push to uh, get to the Calder uh, Cup championship. So um, we'll see what happens. They're, uh, what game are they at? Game two. They won uh, it's best of five. They're up 2 nothing on Milwaukee right now. Uh, Iowa has beat Milwaukee. They're, they were 4-1 and one in the regular season. So I see them advancing pretty easy. So uh, – We'll see what happens. Long season for uh, Donato, Cunning, and Greenway. Um, they're pretty exhausted. Of course, no one, get, no one gets paid right now, right? So that last regular season of the NHL is totally done. Um, they do sometimes have things in their contract where they can um, get some money next year put into the contract. Um, but right now, no one's getting paid NHL, AHL, so. God, you gotta imagine at this point. You gotta imagine at this point. These guys are just sick of playing fucking hockey. Honestly, well, I, mean, I know they're. Not, I know they'll go out there and give it their all, but that must be. They must be sick of playing hockey. Oh, I mean, it's all the other boys are, you know, golfing. playing golf. Yeah, golfing out on the Caribbeans. Or I Jordan talked to uh, Clayton Keller. He was out in the Bahamas on this secluded island. It's like a seven-mile radius island. You cannot go on it unless someone takes you on there who's a member or something. 
and like Tiger Woods is a member, a uh, bunch of NFL players. It's a little island somewhere. All it is is a big two golf courses and really, really nice um, resorts. Resorts, yeah. And uh, Keller actually played, uh, was playing golf with, uh, uh, I forget who it was after the Masters. I want to say, uh, I want to say Cooch. Matt Kuchar, but I don't know. I can't remember exactly, but uh, he sat in the locker room where he got put on his golf cleats and everything. There's Tiger's locker locker and all these big uh, <laughs> Rory's locker. But, uh, yeah, you and I can't go to this island and play golf. We can't even go <laughs> to the island to get a beer. Bastards. The elite. Cool. So uh, just one more thing before we go, guys. Uh, Pat, I do know that your other nephew uh, – the Maple Leafs prospect, J.D. Greenway, had a stellar game. Was it last night? He, he did, yeah. Yeah, that's the USHL. He plays for the Dubuque Fighting Saints. Um, they're actually playing one of our podcast um, interviews we had here uh, for uh, Musketeer. Um, Ryan DeRozier. Ryan DeRozier came on, and uh, so – Looks like uh, the Musketeers are uh, taking over that series. Um, but, yeah, J.D.'s playing great going to Maine next year. So um, we'll see another Hockey East. Uh, we'll follow another Hockey East team next year playing against UMass. The zoo, baby. Well, guys, it was a great opportunity to have a Coach of the Year on again this week, uh, two weeks in a row, two Coaches of the Year um, unbelievable season there at UMass for Coach Carvel. Uh, you know, being, like we said, a local guy, we know his family, his, his siblings, and everything like that. And I know they're pumped to, you know, be part of that program now as well. And, uh, you know, we're going to have a lot of good things coming out of the zoo. So fired up about that. You heard yeah. it here. You heard it here first, bluelinehockeyclub.com. Yeah. <laughs> and so don't forget to get to bluelinehockeyclub.com and check out all of our podcasts. This is podcast 57 so you got a lot of a lot of them to choose from uh check out our social media facebook and twitter uh if you want us to try to get somebody on that we haven't had on let us know if you have any questions for uh, future guests also let us know that as well we'll be giving away some hockey sticks with OB hockey coming up and uh so so watch out for that because we'll have some pretty cool sticks to give away we take All right, boys. pictures of uh, your wife <laughs> <laughs> That's how you can really get a free stick right there. Just a hint. Just a hint, folks. So don't forget that. All right, boys. What a great podcast we had tonight. And uh, until next time, keep your stick on the ice. See ya. Will. Oh, doctor. Meow. Keep your head up. <laughs>